You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. We're off and running, people. It is Wednesday, December 16th. Hey, how you feeling? How you doing? Are you ready? Have you heard? It's going to snow. I know. I, it's a shock, right? Middle of December, getting close to Christmas, and uh, apparently it's going to snow, which obviously means that everyone everywhere should panic. That's the first reaction. If you watch the news, I think that that's the general reaction, that when you hear there's going to be snow, by all means, this is the stage, right, before anything has happened, for everyone to lose their ever-loving minds. But it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Look, we have a jam-packed 60 minutes, right? We'll get to all the sports stuff today. Uh, I got some stuff on, you know, Daniel Jones and the Giants, some big NBA news yesterday, some Yankee stuff, because I've heard people float. You know, could you actually come up with a scenario where the Yankees don't re-sign DJ LeMayhew and it wouldn't be a colossal mistake? So I've heard people float that, and uh, we will tackle that today. And, and in short, you know, to kind of give you the Cliff Notes version of that, uh, the Cliff Notes version is no, no, you can't actually. But we'll run through it all, all the permutations of it and everything else. But today is the final day. Today is it. We are down to the final of the Regal Tumble, the battle for television supremacy. It has been going on since the Yankee season ended, which feels like a very, very long time ago. But we are down to the final four and I will say, after your voting totals were uh, you know, calculated and all that kind of stuff, any of the four that make today's final very well could walk away with the title. So we will get to that. Today is Wednesday, so that means we have headlines today, Florida Man, all that kind of stuff. But the big headline today, or the big headline yesterday, was all about the NBA. Giannis. The Greek freak staying in Milwaukee, he will sign his Supermax extension, $228 million over five years. And I don't know, man, I feel like that's a good call. Anytime you can sign a contract for $228 million, I think you got to do it. I wouldn't care if I was on Neptune. Gordon, you got to spend the next five years on Neptune. But when you get back, assuming you get back, you're going to have $228 million. Done. Signed. Absolutely. I mean, you probably more win more games on Neptune than the Knicks are going to. But good for him. You know, and it, I'll say this, and I think uh, it's not really uh, anything revolutionary. Nice to see an NBA superstar stay put, right? Like, it wasn't like Giannis was this can't-miss guy when he was taken in the draft. And they've done a nice job of developing. He's obviously put in whatever work he's needed to, you know, develop into the player that he has. So it's just kind of assumed in this day and age that when you play in Milwaukee or Oklahoma City or one of these, you know, smaller markets, that if I offered you the chance to either live in uh, Milwaukee or Miami, nobody in their right, if we put up a poll question of where would you rather live, Milwaukee or Miami, anybody who chose Milwaukee probably should have their head examined or L.A. or anywhere in California or Texas or, you know, I mean, nobody generally wants to stay in Milwaukee. So good for Giannis to say, you know what? Uh, I'm staying put. I'm going to stay with his team and I'm going to get my Supermax extension. So awesome for him. 
And now I don't think, A, he'll ever win anything there. And I don't think that necessarily that this is some sort of selfless move in any way. Because at the end of the day, he's going to get $228 million. So absolutely, when you get a chance to do that, you get your money when you can get your money. And if two years from now, the Bucks have not won a title, and he decides, you know what, it's just never going to work out here, and he wants to leave, well, it's the NBA. If you want to leave, you can always leave. They, they will figure it out, and he will leave still in the middle of his five-year, $228 million contract. So Nick fans, and I don't know that there were that many who had already, I guess they can start the countdown now till uh, 2026, however many days, that 2,000 days until Giannis becomes a free agent. But good news for him. I would think it's good news for the real contenders in the NBA, right? Like if you're the Lakers or the Clippers or maybe the Nets or maybe the Warriors get back into things now. It's good news that he is staying put in Milwaukee because I don't really see, even though they'll, I'm sure they'll have dominant regular seasons, I don't really see, even with the changes they've made, that they are real contenders for NBA titles um, so I think it's all good news for them. Now, it, it's bad news if you were a Nick fan that was so delusional that you thought that Giannis was ever going to come here and play here. I don't actually think that they were that many. Now, look, every fan base has some delusional members, and the Nick fan, I mean, the fact that they're still Nick fans, shows you that they have to be somewhat a little delusional. But Tom Thibodeau was asked yesterday about the Knicks, you know, Giannis was the big story, so he was asked about Giannis staying in Milwaukee. And he said, you know, the, the way that the format is kind of drawn up, it kind of favors players staying put, and at least Giannis is, is going to do that. But then he was asked about the Knicks landing a star player, and this is what he said. Well, I think it's critical. I think when you look at every team in the league, particularly the playoff teams, and there's a lot of different paths to getting stars, uh, and sometimes you know, it's it's the development phase. I, I think when you look at Jimmy Butler, when he came in, he hardly played as a rookie, played more each year, and then he's become a top 10 player in the league. So it's a testament to his work ethic and how he approached things. So some guys continue to get better year after year. Uh, sometimes you have to do it through trade. Uh, sometimes it's free agency, but I think, you have to be very aggressive in seeking out those opportunities. Uh, uh, they just don't happen by accident. You have to make them happen. Okay, so that's a real money quote there. I think you have to be very aggressive in seeking out these opportunities. They don't happen by accident. You have to make them happen. Well, to be clear, again, right, you heard the cut. He talked about development. He talked about drafting. He talked about, you know, how the, the different avenues. There are many avenues. Are there many avenues? It seems like there's only three avenues. I would like more avenues. Can, can the Knicks figure out a way to create a super highway? Forget about the super max. We need a super highway traveling in all varieties of directions to be able to get a superstar. Well, look, here's the deal. And it's not a pretty deal. It's not one that anyone wants to find themselves in. Development is the only one that the Knicks can control right now or for the foreseeable future. No free agent, no star player is going to want to come to a team that wins like 20 games. And while free agency and trades are different, right? Free agency, you just have to woo the player. A trade, you just have to come up with an acceptable contract, uh, an acceptable trade to get the player here. 
it really comes down to winning over the player. No player, and the NBA star player, you know, star-driven league, no star player is going to say, you know what, I really want to go to that team that's going to win 20 games. The Knicks, as a destination, are far closer to Cleveland and Utah, no, not even Utah, Cleveland and all the bad, Sacramento. They are a lot closer to that than they are to the Lakers or the Celtics or the Heat. They've put themselves in that position. So this idea that the Knicks have to be thinking about trying to uh, land a star player at this point, it would be like deciding on Monday to go on a diet and then on Wednesday talking about how you want to have washboard abs. Like, it doesn't happen that quickly. The situation, and you're right now in that situation. What's that, that show, My 600-Pound Life? What is that thing, right? Is that what it's called? My 800-pound life? My 600-pound life? Whatever it is. That's where the Knicks are at. So to be talking about getting washboard abs at this point might be putting the cart before the horse. Let's see if we can get an eating plan that works, right? So, yes, you do have to be aggressive. But the problem for the Knicks has not been a lack of aggression. It's been a uh, a tendency to act desperate. The Knicks far too often, the organization have been far too desperate, and they have looked desperate. So this year is not going to be good. They have one way, one avenue, one road to getting players, and that is the draft, as I went through yesterday. This year has to be about discovering what you have on the roster, right, between R.J. Barrett and Obi Toppin and uh, Mitchell Robinson, hopefully uh, quickly, Maybe Kevin Knox, maybe, you know, maybe there's another piece or two on this roster that has some value or more value than it certainly looks like right now. You have a, what you would think is a legitimate head coach and a legitimate program for the first time in a while. But if they play the season like planned, this is going to be a rough season. So it's about discovering what you have on your roster, developing what you have on your roster, and then Get ready for the draft. You're going to be back in the lottery again. The best thing the Knicks have going for them is, at least in terms of assets, they do have themselves kind of set up pretty well between draft picks, young players. Now, again, I'm not going to tell you I know at all what any of the pieces the Knicks have right now are. I don't know if I can tell you at all that in three years that R.J. Barrett's going to be an all-star. I don't know that yet. Let's find out. Let's wait and see. I know everybody loves to jump to conclusions right away, either good or bad. But let's find out. All the Knicks have is time. Time to discover, time to develop, and then eventually they will have time to draft and they'll have more than enough draft picks to hopefully be able to find one of those superstars because that's the only avenue that is available right now. That's it. So you can't woo a free agent because, hey, it doesn't really look like there's going to be any great free agents now available even after this season is over. But you're not going to be appealing when you're a 17-23 to win team. And by trading for a superstar, you're basically going to put that person, whoever that player is, in an impossible situation because you don't have that much talent to give away. So if you give away any of it, and then bring in a superstar, it's going to be a barren roster, which is already pretty barren. So this year is not going to be good. And yes, the Knicks, when there is the opportunity to be aggressive, of course, just don't act desperate. 
And by talking about landing a superstar rather than developing a superstar, at this stage, year one, with a new regime, you sound desperate. Oh, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. We're going to get to Regal Tumble. Let's get a couple of calls in uh, because uh, people want to chime in about the Knicks and everything else. We'll start things off with, uh, let's see here, Lewis is in Whippany. Lewis, what's going on, my friend? Hey, how you doing, Gordon? I'm great, man. Living the dream. Uh, (laughs) Listen, man, I've been listening to you for pretty much religiously for the last four years. Right. And when you say religiously, it, is that because you use, uh, you know, you uh, defame the Lord's name when you listen to me when some of the things I say? <laughs> Sometimes. Not all the time, but most of the time. Blasphemy. That's the word I was looking for. Blasphemy. Yeah. So, so um, you know, I, I think when when the whole pandemic thing started, man, and, you know, um, uh, you know, I called you and I said that what you were doing with the um, – with a movie tournament and and even now with a regal tumble, this this is the type of stuff that people in the morning want and need. Like I, I honestly just don't want. I like I like Dave. I like Rick and Kansky. I listen to them too, but I don't want sports news. You know the, the way they they present. I want it the way that you do it with comedy. Like it's too early in the morning to be listening to something too serious, man. I, I, I honestly enjoy listening to you. A lot of people that I talk to also enjoy listening to you and. You know, I'm not the only person that told you this. I can't, uh, I, I can't count can the amount of people, people that. jobs at the station? Could you, could you well, you know, man, I, I honestly don't know what's happening. Because they're like, going to kill it. They're going to be fantastic. You're going to love them. You know, you got to give them a couple of weeks. That's all. You know what I mean? Like, no, new no, show, no. Especially when it's replacing a show that you really enjoyed. You got to give it a couple of weeks because at first you're going to say, ah, I don't, I don't like this. I want the new, you know, I want the old thing. But uh, after two weeks, I'm sure that you'll be, uh, you'll be, you'll be wearing, uh, you know, DPHO Canty and uh, Rock <laughs> No, I mean, listen, man. I, I also told you that you were the closest thing to uh, Dan Levitar, in my opinion. Like, okay. uh, as far as the way you present news, everybody else in the station is very generic. It's fine. It, you know, I listen for sports, but I also like the fact that you, you know, you don't take yourself too seriously. And everything else that, that you do on the, uh, during the one hour, a lot of the time is a lot better than what the other guys doing with, uh, with the amount of hours that are given. And, you know, all I, I, I want to say is I really appreciate the, fa- the fact that, you know, that you're on every morning, especially during the pandemic. It really helped out, man. I really do, I really do I appreciate, appreciate that. that I, think. Well, I don't know where I'm going to get my uh, AAF uh, football news now from. Uh, you'll have to, you know, you have to be tuning in at uh, 10 o'clock at night maybe once in a while. You know, I know those I, hours don't really uh, jive with these hours, but uh, we'll see. No, I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to every once in a while I listen to you because, you know, it's just waking up at 2.30 in the morning is kind of hard to uh, not go to sleep like around 7, you know? Yeah, no. And look, uh, you and I both know, and Lewis, thank you for the call. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, you don't choose, you know, people have asked me, like, well, how do you know when to go to sleep when you work those hours? Uh, you don't choose when you go to sleep. Sleep overcomes you, right? Like, you don't just say, ah, you know what? I think I'm going to turn in early. All of a sudden, you just wake up while you're lying in bed. Oh, I must have fallen asleep. Look at that. Our D is in Queens. D, what's going on, my man? Hello? Hey, D, what's up? Hello? Yeah. Um, yeah on, so D? basically, this is one million, one reason why the Nets, um, the Knicks should not have hired Tom Thibodeau. He hates young players. They hate him back. If you would have did Mark Jackson, he's more of a developer of young talent. 
like he hates young players, and you're hearing it already. So it, good luck with this Knicks fan. Well, look, D, uh, if you've listened to the show, and thanks for the call, you know that I was not uh, a big fan of this hire. Uh, it was not the way that I would have went. Kenny Atkinson would have been. And I'm not a big fan of, uh, of Mark Jackson either, so I wouldn't have necessarily gone that direction. Kenny Atkinson would have been the first guy because I think that that's what the Knicks need. They need somebody. But at least in terms of the mindset of, of Mark Jackson as being someone who does have a little uh, far more history, I think, of developing young players – than uh, than Tom Thibodeau does. Yeah, I mean, this is not a hire. This is a hire that I'm very questionable about. Now, like any move in terms of front office, in terms of coach, I'm always willing to give the person the benefit of the doubt coming in. But uh, I'll tell you right now, the idea that, you know, Tom Thibodeau is going to squeeze out six or seven extra wins for the Knicks this year by riding guys hard, you know, you know, riding the young players as hard as they can be ridden. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily a good approach. And I don't know if that's necessarily the right uh, terminology. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's the right terminology that I probably should be using there either. All right, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. All these compliments. I don't know, uh, A... I don't know, uh, you know, how to react to them a lot of times. And B, I don't know what you people have been waiting for. I've been on the air for four years. We never got any compliments the whole time. Now, all of a sudden, now that I'm leaving, oh, we're going to miss you. All right, let's get to the Regal Tumble because it's time, people. We have been doing this for weeks, weeks, almost, I would say almost two months now, right? When the Yankee season ended at the, uh, at the end of October. And uh, then, of course, uh, we got, uh, well, not the end of October, but you know what I'm saying. So we came up with the Regal Tumble. We, we asked for your suggestions. We asked for your nominations. And we threw them in the hopper, much like a Royal Rumble-type format where things were... I mean, it took you guys a long time to understand the format. Even now, people are continuing to... What about this show? The nomination process is now closed. We gave you that option. We gave you that opportunity. But we threw them all in the hopper. Unfortunately, because of the scheduling changes, we've had to narrow the field quite dramatically. But even then, I think that all the, while we were not able to get all to uh, all the nominations, I think we got to all the major ones. I don't think that there's any show, and I don't have the list here because why would I? That would make sense. I don't think that there was any show that was left on the list that could really challenge with any of the shows, the final four that will be up for voting today but let's get to it let's get to the uh, shows yesterday who's in who's out as we get down to the nitty-gritty today the final for the regal tumble the battle for television supremacy and i would like you know everybody's thanking me uh, i would like to thank you all of you who voted we needed something for the poll question once the baseball ended this has been a fun you know little battle back and forth but enough of the niceties let's get to it yesterday we had two poll questions Although I think only people mostly, uh, it seems like only people notice one, and it's very difficult with the two. You can't pin it to the top of the page, all that type of stuff. But really, not much of a contest. We had pod one, and we had pod two. Leaving us from pod one, and this one was never really competitive. It is Chappelle Show. Chappelle Show. Chappelle Show. No real shame in that, making it top six, nothing to sneeze at. So Chappelle Show, not really a surprise there. Once the voting opened, 
it was pretty clear their path to victory was going to be very, very narrow, and uh, they were never able to get even remotely close. Much like the Knicks, never even remotely close to the path of victory. And then, of course, from pod two, that one, the more competitive one, kind of went back and forth, but leaving us from there, The Simpsons. I have to say I'm a little surprised that they only finished top five, because I don't know how you can justify saying that The Office is better than The Simpsons. Now, the knock against The Simpsons is, right, they're past their prime, and they've been past their prime for a very long time, right? Their peak was very, very high. Now, they have great longevity, but when you talk about a show that tarnished its legacy, whatever legacy that was, once Michael Scott left the office, I mean, when you see some of those reboots, oh my, what, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be laughing at. Very, very difficult. But we are on to the final four. And the final four, run them down. First up, The Sopranos. The Sopranos, no, quite, no way to get around it. They changed television. They left a legacy on, you know, just how dark characters would go without the need for redemption. It really did kind of pioneer uh, what you would call the golden age of television, cinematic TV, right? Where it was like the TV show was almost like watching a movie every single week. And the character of Tony Soprano, if we had done, um, you know, a character tournament, James Gandolfini's portrayal of Tony Soprano, probably the greatest single performance of them all. So the Sopranos, they make the final. Second up would be, what happened to the dramatic music, Brian? Brian is back for today. Just when he thought he was out, he, they, we, we dragged him back in. They pulled me back in. They pulled you back in. What happened to the dramatic music? We do not have any more dramatic music. I don't hear it in my headset. There we go. I need the dramatic Second up is Seinfeld. Even after 30 years, you'd have to say Seinfeld, the master of their domain, right? Change TV, Seinfeld. I, you could almost make the case that the characters on Seinfeld were almost a precursor of the anti-hero, right? Like Tony Soprano, he was like the bad guy that you rooted for. Seinfeld, all the characters are pretty much bad people that you root for. So it changed the way sitcoms were written, the pacing of it all the time. I bring it up, you know, friends, how the dialogue is delivered in that fast, you know, that rhythm uh, is just a copy of uh, Seinfeld, which was uh, far better. And I think voting kind of showed that friends in, out very quickly. So Seinfeld, the number two show, no particular order, but Seinfeld, the number two show that it's made. Then, of course, there is the, uh, the, pers- the people's champ, as they will, Breaking Bad. The Big Bang, yes, actually changed uh, how television was used because usually in TV, the main character remains the same throughout the course of the series. Yes, there are highs, there's lows, there's plot twists, all these different things, but the main character, especially the, the main point of The Sopranos is that people never change. Here in Breaking Bad, you had the character actually change, not say the same guy. And in terms of an entertainment vehicle, you would have to say Breaking Bad was the most compulsively watchable show of all time. You didn't just watch it. You needed to get to that next episode. You didn't just watch it. You devoured it. And I, I brought up the point every time, and I think it's a common experience when you finally got around to watching it, if you got around to watching it on Netflix, after it had already been on for, it seemed like nobody actually watched that show when it actually began. 
But if you watch that show when it was, you know, kind of already, you know, a season in, a season or two in, and you actually got hooked, and it hooked you very, very quickly with that first episode, you, you just had to, to get to that next episode. A lot of my kids were very, very young. I'd have to be up at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. It would be 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, well, there's no commercials. I could probably squeeze in another 40-minute episode, and there I am at 2.30 in the morning going through the same process, uh, trying to squeeze in another one, even though I should go to bed. So Breaking Bad, the number three show. And then finally, it is The Office. So there you go. There's your four shows, all right? So, uh, yeah, you got uh, you got Sopranos, you got Seinfeld, you got uh, Breaking Bad, and then, of course, you have The Office. I don't really know what to say about The Office. I don't really feel like they belong in this mix, but that's not up for me to decide. It's up for you. It was up to you to make the nominations. It's up to you to vote. So the poll question, it is up for today. It's the final one of the Regal Tumble. Please Vote, and please retweet. We want to get as high a vote total as humanly possible for the finale of the battle for television supremacy, which is the Regal Tumble. Coming up, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. We will get to some Yankee news. We will get to some giant stuff. And we will get to, of course, Wednesday, third segment, we will get to headlines. You're back here in Hollywood making movies right now because of us! Because they believe in us and what we're doing! I'm on the phone with every studio at night! Insurance companies! Producers! And they're looking at us and using us to make their movies! We are creating thousands of jobs! I don't ever want to see it again! Ever! I feel like that's don't how do I feel about some episodes of The Office. I never want to see it again! That is Tom Cruise in this, uh, this rant that he had. He's on the, uh, the set of Mission Impossible, who knows, 25? I don't even know which one it is. Those scripts are so... I mean, they make no sense whatsoever, but they're kind of cool movies to watch, so and I know people enjoy them. So that's Tom Cruise, and apparently there were people on set of the movie not following the COVID protocol, so Tom is worried about the movie getting shut down, so he just want to... Now, somebody secretly recorded him and posted this online. That's the story they're giving you. And if they're giving you that story, that, that's, I guess to make some big Hollywood star look bad, right? I think that that's the reason, almost like the Christian Bale one from years ago. Remember that one where he went crazy? And you've seen this from time to time. You know, you get caught without them knowing, recording them secretly. But the overall reaction, I don't think, has been a negative one. And I, this is how my mind works. I think this is a plant. I think that this was put out there by Tom Cruise's people as a way to make Tom Cruise look better. Uh, it, might, it might just be me. It might just be my cynical nature. But there you go, your moment of inspiration for this uh, Wednesday? Wednesday morning. It's all day Wednesday. Uh, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. The Regal Tumble, the final is up. It is winner take all. It's down to the wire. And uh, the wire is not in- included. So that uh, kind of makes it a little confusing. No, the four shows for today... And the voting very early on, but The Sopranos, 
Seinfeld, The Office, and Breaking Bad. I have given you my choice. If I had a vote, I would go Breaking Bad. I don't even think that it's really all that close. The Sopranos might have been more revolutionary, but in terms of an entertainment vehicle, I don't think that you'll ever find a more uh, addicting show than Breaking Bad. But that's not up to me. Again, it is up to you, and the vote is up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. Now, before we get to headlines because I made sure to stay on, on task this, this show, stay on schedule. I was watching yesterday, because this is what I do in my free time, is I, I constantly update Twitter to see whether or not the Yankees have signed DJ LeMahieu. That's all, that's all I want for Christmas is DJ LeMahieu back in a Yankee uniform. Everything that you would want in a player, right? That's what DJ LeMahieu is. He's this unbelievable superstar, MVP candidate, should have won this year, MVP type player, second base, third base, first base. Does he have some big ego about No, he just goes about his business. We could play clips right now of four different voices. And I don't know necessarily that I would know even what DJ LeMahieu sounds like. Think about that. Here's a star, the star on the Yankees. And he's so low profile that he just goes out and does his business. That's the type of person, this stone-cold killer, regular season, postseason, you know, he's always out there, and he's been fantastic. And to think that the Yankees, that would even be a conversation, that you wouldn't re-sign this guy is crazy talk. The Yankees do need to improve as a team. It's very hard for me to envision a scenario where you can improve by taking your best player off the team. <laughs> that just doesn't, that is an interesting strategy. And I don't think one that I would like to go down that road. So yesterday I was watching, you know, looking at a bunch of stuff and John boy, uh, you know, Yankee fan, John boy has his videos. And, uh, he was talking about, can you convince yourself, uh, into a better plan B without DJ LeMahieu? And, uh, that if you don't resign him, the, the, the philosophy is that you take that money and you can spend it in other ways, right? Get a bunch of big relievers, improve the rotation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, look, you can have whatever thought experiments you want to have. I don't, again, see how you can improve the team by taking the best player off the team. And I'm not, uh, look, I, you do have to improve the rotation. You do need to get a reliever or two on this team. So it's, it, you know, if, it, if it's going to be either DJ LeMahieu or that I don't think that either is the right answer because you ha- it can't just be a lateral move, right? You can't just trot the same guys out there and expect that the results now all of a sudden are going to be better than they were last year. My concern is this. And again, this might all be the, nego- the, the dance of negotiation, right? Brian Cashman might be just doing this, uh, you know, the back and forth, the, the negotiating in public. But to me... My concern is that Brian Cashman, it seems like, has been always about what's the best long-term play, right? It's not necessarily about giving the the, the team the best shot at winning this year, but it's about putting them in position to win year after year. He's been on record as saying, you know, I don't want to uh, simply win a championship at the cost of winning championships. So whether it's at the trade deadline or during free agency or trying to make a trade at any point, You know, Yankees have been holding on to prospects because the price is too high, all these type of things. There's no question that if that is your mindset about giving yourself the best chance to win year after year rather than giving yourself the best chance to win this year, 
then I think the right approach then would be to not re-sign DJ LeMahieu, to take that money, plug it into, you know, somebody at shortstop, I don't know, bring back D.D. Gregorius or somebody like that, move Glaber to second, and then in a year from now, you go out and get a, a far younger shortstop, someone who might be, you know, clearly better suited to play that position long-term than maybe Glaber is, be it uh, Francisco Lindor, be it uh, Trevor Story, Seager, whoever it is. Paying now is uncertain, right? The budget's down this year. We don't even know when the season will start. It certainly doesn't look like, at least at the beginning, that there will be fans in the stands, whether or not, you know, how that ramps up over the course of the year. Will spring training start on time? A year from now, there's far more certainty. You'll, you'll have another year of watching Gary Sanchez and to know whether or not he has been able to remake himself as a player and get back to the player he was a couple of years ago. You'll have another year of evidence of whether or not uh, Aaron Judge can stay healthy. Severino will be fully back at that point, right? He's, he's not going to be fully back at the start of this year. You'll have Davey Garcia. So a year from now, things will look far more certain, you would think. And that's what concerns me. If you gave Brian Cashman the two buttons secretly, Go for it all for one year, and it will cost you, you know, maybe the next couple of years after that or a couple of years down the road, right? If you sign DJ LeMayhew to a contract that will pay him until he's the age of 37, well, I think that he's a player that will age quite well. There is certainly a very good chance that one of those years, if not more, it can look to be a bad contract. If you gave Cashman the option of either going for it all or being pretty good, being in position year after year after year, I think he would clearly take that second button. So that's what concerns me, is that the better long-term play is to not re-sign DJ LeMahieu, to put the money into other areas, and then a year from now, when all these shortstops are available, then you go out and you make that move then. So maybe this is all just a negotiation, but that's what concerns me, and I'm hoping that it is just this, the, the dance of negotiation that before too long that the Yankees will have a deal in place with D.J. LeMahieu, be it four years, be it five. But that still remains to be seen. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. It is Wednesday. It is the third segment. So that means, of course, you know what it means. It's time for headlines. Today's headlines. Extra, extra. All right, first headline. This from the New York Times. Ooh, we're very uh, highfalutin on the Gordon Damer show. How the journalist Jeffrey Tubin went from respected New York writer to hashtag punchline and subject of debate. How? Do you not know the story? I think the how we have pretty well covered. The why, that's another one. The what is going on. That, the how, I think it's pretty clear how he went to a from uh, you know what he was to uh, you know how he is seen now. I don't think the how we need much of a deep dive into that one. Moving on. Extra, extra. Mink in Utah is the first wild animal to test positive for COVID nineteen. Who is testing these wild animals? Why are we testing these wild animals? What department is doing that? Hey Steve, uh, you need to go out and test the bears today. The Chicago bear? No, the actual bears. I don't, I don't know this. Could you imagine if uh, you had given this story to Don LaGreca a couple of weeks ago when he was waiting for his COVID results? Don, we don't have your results, but there's a mink in Utah that has tested positive. Meanwhile, Don's sitting by the phone waiting for a phone call. 
All right, moving on. Extra, extra. Gingerbread record holder bakes huge village despite COVID challenges. Are there COVID challenges in baking gingerbread houses? And again, if you take only one point from our entire stay here, the four years, it's that record holders, the Guinness Book of World Records, has allowed and encouraged people to waste more of their time on just useless, meaningless things than anyone in the history of the known universe. It's amazing. Moving on. Extra, extra. Weed smoking could make coronavirus worse. Well, look, if you're looking to smoke, you know, it's now, is it legal already in Jersey? Is it going to be legal? I'm not sure. Jersey, we got gambling and we got weed smoking. Uh, You think the driving here is bad now. Wait until that thing really takes hold. People can't figure out how to work a jug handle now. They'll just be crashing into things. But if you're, you know, if you're taking a little bit of the, uh, the herb to ease your stress during the pandemic, experts say you need to think twice because apparently smoking, even occasionally, can increase your risk for more severe complications. I don't, I don't know the science of it. All I know is that Pete Davidson is probably going to be locked down until uh, 2025 at least. At least. Moving on. Extra, extra. I love this one from the New York Post. The Jets are incredibly bad at being op- opportunistic. Really, you could have ended that series, that sentence right after bad. You could just say the Jets are incredibly bad, period. And then when you click on the link, it's just, yeah, they're really, really bad. That's the whole story. All right, moving on. This extra, week in Florida, man. Oh, boy, this guy's been busy. Florida man arrested for throwing a chair during a dispute over a donut. Extra, extra. Florida man dies after being strangled by falling window during attempted burglary. I don't know how. Extra, extra. Falling window during an attempted burglary. Who knows? Florida man retrieves golf ball that landed on alligator's tail. Extra, extra. Florida man holding a trash can for a friend discovers, oh, look at that, a dead body. Extra, extra. Florida woman accused of headbutting a police car. Extra, extra. And this might be my favorite Florida man story of all time. Florida man recovering from injuries received from his job as a male stripper. So this guy's a male stripper, otherwise known as a stripper. So he uh, goes to people's houses and, you know, performs his, uh, his task. So he shows up to this house, but... Apparently down in Florida, it's like Jersey. You ever notice in Jersey, every town has the same street names. They're different roads, but they, for some, there's like seven Bloomfield Avenues. I don't know why. And it's not just all, it's not like Sunrise Highway that's all the one Sunrise. It's like there's seven different Bloomfield Avenues for some reason. It's always weird. So down in Florida, this guy was supposed to go to whatever street, but it was, it was like a lane and he went to the name, and it was street. So he shows up to the wrong address. And it turns out he shows up at this house that uh, is um, lived in by a bunch of gang members, right? What do you think his, his costume was? He's a cop. So he shows up as a stripper, as a cop, at the house, the wrong house of gang members. Obviously, uh, it did not go well. But he is recovering, so that's good news there. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN. Yes, thank you. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number, 1-800-919-3776. I forgot the the other part of that last story about the stripper who showed up at the wrong house, and uh, he's a cop, and it's a house uh, filled with gang members. The other part of that story was there was a woman there 
And, uh, you know, unfortunately, these uh, gang members start shooting at this poor guy because he doesn't realize he's at the wrong house and he's dressed as a cop. The thing about it was is that this poor guy had to run like miles to safety because the woman said, well, uh, you know, he's a cop. So obviously 911 has already been alerted, right? He, no, he's not actually. He's a stripper. I mean, you know, whatever. All right, it's the Gordon Damer Show. It's 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Today we have touched on the uh, Knicks after uh, Tom Thibodeau's statements about the Knicks need to be aggressive in adding star players to the roster. Aggressive is fine. Desperate is wrong. That, that's a problem. Be, acting desperate is always uh, a bad sign. And if the Knicks are going out there right now trying to uh, think that they're anywhere close to being able to lure a star player to New York, be it through free agency or really even through a trade, you know, when, when it's a trade and it's a star player being moved, the fact that it's a star-driven league, that player largely is determining where they're going. And no star player is going to say, you know what, send me to that team that's going to win about 20 games, especially when that team is going to have to give up assets to be able to land that star player. So for the Knicks to be thinking about landing a star player in either uh, free agency or trades – the analogy I came up with earlier is it would be like at this point starting a diet and on Monday and then by Wednesday complaining that you don't have washboard abs, right? Like yeah, it's going to take some time and it's going to take this whole year for the Knicks to kind of discover and develop what they have on the roster. And let's hope by the time this season is over that A, the Knicks are back in the draft lottery and hopefully a little bit more luck, not, not just hopefully, luckier than they have been. It was, it's not going to be hard. And then that they have a couple of pieces that you can say, okay, now I really have a good idea what R.J. Barrett is or Obi Toppin is or uh, Mitchell Robinson or maybe, you know, some of these guys that certainly looks like are going to be busts turn out to be a far better than you think, be it Kevin Knox or uh, Dennis Smith Jr. or, you know, I, I don't think, I don't have high hopes, but let's, you know, maybe they'll surprise us in the positive for a change. Uh, the other thing we touched on, the Yankees and D.J. LeMayhew, obviously, and why I think that the Yankees' best long-term play, you, you can come up with a scenario for how the best long-term play is to let D.J. LeMayhew leave. I just don't think it's the best play. I mean, it's clear. You, there's never a time where taking your best player off your team only for money, not even because you can get some amazing deal someplace else, but just for money is always a mistake. But I did want to touch on the football just a little bit because we'll get a little closer uh, tomorrow to it. But, the, you know, between the Giants and – I mean, the Jets and Rams game, they, they Jets are going to just get eaten alive. The Rams are favored in more, by more points in this game, I think it was, than in any game the last 20 years. And I don't think, if you've listened to me, I don't think the Jets will win any game this, the rest of this year. They are not winning on Sunday. Jared Goff could lose both of his arms and throw the ball with his feet the entire game. The Rams are going to win that game. But, you know, I was, I was looking about, you know, Giants and Brown stuff. How did the Giants bounce back? And, you know, look, there's a lot of criticism of the offense after Sunday, a lot of criticism throughout the season about Jason Garrett, that he's not creative enough, right? They don't show any imagination. Why do you think that is? It's pretty odd. Now, look, Daniel Jones was at less than 100% on, on Sunday. But it's because the Giants are, for lack of a better word, hamstrung by Daniel Jones and his tendency to turn over the football. So the first thing they have to eliminate, 
as much as they possibly can is Daniel Jones's turnovers. They need to scale everything based, based on that, scale everything back. And it's not like they have a whole lot to work with uh, on offense to begin with. So it's pretty clear in terms of the draft when that does roll around, the Giants are going to need to add playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. I will say this, though. I don't think that Daniel Jones has necessarily regressed. Now, he's not progressed, that's for sure. But I think the reason for that is that Saquon Barkley's not here. We kind of forget about it because he's been gone for so long at this point. But you take a look at Jones's numbers in any game without Saquon Barkley, and they're pretty much what he's been doing. Now, look, this past week it was worse because he's worse because of the injury. And what's extra painful is that at least Sunday you were finally starting to see some, some progress in that area in terms of the turnovers. But now without Saquon Barkley, and again, extra painful, that you lose him now when, you know, again, until Sunday, you were starting to see some progress from the offensive line. I still think that Daniel Jones is your best option, even at less than 100%. But if he's not, if you're saying, well, it's a mistake to put him out there and all these type of things, well, then you're admitting that he's a problem. If, if at 50%, He's not better than, than Colt McCoy? Well, then what you're saying is, yeah, you, you really have a problem at quarterback. Even You can notice that even just two years in to, uh, to, to, to Daniel Jones' career with this team. The bottom line is the Giants are not a good team. And just because they might be the best of the four awful teams that play in the NFC East, that doesn't make the first statement true. You know what is true? We're already out of time. Look, if I could stress to you on anything, I would say it is vote on the Regal Tumble. The shows are up. They're out there. It's on Twitter. You can vote. It's all up to you. If, you get, if, it get, if people get this wrong, it's your fault. And don't, make, don't think for one second I will not hold you accountable. Accountability is a big thing here at the Gordon Damer Show, and it might only be until tomorrow, but we will hold you accountable based on the results today. So we'll see you tomorrow at 5, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.